Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Ace of Swords and the Sword of Damocles. Today's show will focus on the Two of Swords and the Siege of Masada. Talk about stories, swords, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth, tarot, love. Welcome to Myth, Tarot, Love, a show about ancient stories and new age wisdom. I'm Biddy, your expert in classics. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. We're talking about swords again. <laughs> For a while. For a while, yeah. So yes. we're on the two of swords. Yes. Um, and... The thing about the swords is uh, it's like the suit of challenge, uh, if I were to describe it that way. So a lot of these cards are introducing new kinds of challenges. Mm -hmm. And in the two of swords, um, so basically we have the number two, which is, if we remember from the past twos, is a number of balance. And when you ha when you combine the ideas of balance and challenge you get a stalemate. I was going to say, you're going to fall off something, for sure. <laughs> you're gonna, something, it's it, like a challenging balance is not always a pleasant thing, mm -hmm. but it's also not exactly like a, a full-on fight. It's more like this uncomfortable peace, mm. if you will, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's very much a lot of the themes that are present in the Two of Swords. Um, so first, let's describe the card. Sounds good. There's a lot of blue. Yes, blues and grays. A lot of blues and grays. Um, blue is often a color of truth, especially this particular shade of blue. It's very much the throat chakra color mm. of of kind of a lighter blue as opposed to um, an indigo blue. Would an indigo blue be more like calming and relaxing or? Not necessarily. It's more about like the unknown and search mm. for truth and um, or I'm going to say more unknown truths, whereas lighter blue is kind of more a spoken truth, um, truth with a capital T, mm -hmm. <laughs> as opposed to a lowercase t. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of blue happening. Um, there's a blue sky, lots of... I find it really interesting that there is this clear blue sky and a moon up in the sky. Yeah, shouldn't it be darker? You'd think so, right? Um, but sometimes the moon does show up in the daytime. So. Yeah. Um, although sometimes that symbol of seeing the moon during the day is kind of like things being not where they're supposed to be. Oh, okay. Um, but the moon is, as we remember, is a symbol of femininity as well as the unconscious and emotions mm -hmm. um, and intuition. So it's more representing that than to say that this scene takes place at night. <laughs> yeah. So I think it, I think if anything, it would make more sense for it to be taking place during the day and having a moon visible during the day saying oh something that you aren't expecting like kind of an unexpected hidden thing that's actually visible gotcha um what's also interesting about this moon is it's just past the new moon um so it is a waxing moon which means uh the emotions are growing even though they've been mm -hmm. kind of subdued um so that's also kind of one of the themes that you get and then right front and center you have what looks like a woman who is blindfolded and crossed over her heart, she has two swords. So she's holding her arms in a cross, and she's, uh, and the swords are, are very balanced on either side, um, and she's holding both of them. 
and they are broadswords. They are very large and pointy. They big. <laughs> they big. They big. Um, and you know, there's definitely a lot of strength, and she's kind of holding them serenely, but on guard as well. And this idea that her, the fact that she's blindfolded is very, um, very important here in this card, um, because she is. It's like she's she is empowered by having both of these swords, right? Perhaps she can't necessarily use both of them efficiently because they are too handy. She can't see either. She can't see. Um, yeah, so she can't see, but she has she has the power to defend herself. Mm-hmm. Um, however, she also could very easily remove that blindfold. Yeah, yeah. She has both the power to defend herself and the power to see, but she almost. It's like she chooses not to by having them. Uh, yeah. Like, Instead, she's like or... sitting down and she's waiting. Mm. Right. So she is. It's it's like she's waiting and on guard, but also not ready. She's not readying herself um, because yeah. even though she is able, she is also blinded. Mm-hmm. And seated. And seated. Which yeah. Just more passive. It's more passive. So it's like she's waiting for things to happen even though she has the power to change them. Um, I think it's really important that she is standing on very clean gray ground, uh, which I think is like rock, like a very clean rock with no cracks in it at all. Um, and this this shows that this is actually a very stable position to be in. But stability is not always uh, something we want. No, because yeah. then she has other stuff behind her. Yeah, behind her there are there is water, and it's kind of like it's it's calm, but it's got some ripples in it. And when I see this, it makes me think that there's a lot more happening under the surface than what we see. Um, and that's kind of the case with water always. That when you you might have a calm ocean, but there's all kinds of tides and all kinds of stuff swimming around underneath there. You don't really know. And that's that's also very much a symbol of uh, the unconscious mm-hmm. and the subconscious. So we've got a lot of emotions brewing, if you will, here. Um, but also they're more being suppressed than being out in the open. So you have a lot of emotions. You don't, you're, you're not necessarily letting them free. Um, there's also a few rocks and stuff that, to me, remind me of like icebergs, which is always, which is actually used as a symbol for the subconscious by Freud, right? Um, So yeah, where you have this little peak on top and this giant massive thing underneath the water. There Um, is a giant (laughs) butt underneath. (laughs) Well, that would be very Freudian. (laughs) No, um, yeah, so there's a lot of the a lot of um, symbols for the subconscious that are happening here, and this is very much talking about um, some of these ideas of the of the two swords. So I mentioned before that stalemate. If I were to use if I were to use any word to describe this this card, I would use the word stalemate. And this can manifest in a few ways. Um, if this card shows up for a person in a reading, uh, it's normally not a very comfortable piece. Like, normally it almost feels like they're stagnating, but it's often involving another person. Mm. Um, it off, Like, twos often are relating to two people, um, although it can happen, especially if the card shows up as uh, representing that person that you're reading for, uh, then it can... It, it's more likely that it's this, um, this battle between 
like an inner battle. Like a decision maybe that they have to make. Or... Yeah, twos often represent decisions that have to be made. Um, the, the decision that normally is made for the two of swords is the decision to see the truth. Mm. Um, there's a lot of There's a lot of themes of ignorance here and willful ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um, although we saw willful ignorance as being evil with the devil card, I would say that ignorance is more causing a hanged man situation here. Okay. Um, so, so we do have two cards, although where, where the hanged man was, was promising enlightenment, the two of swords does not promise that. Does it promise anything? It promises, um, that you can't stay where you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. That like you, you might be stable right here and the longer you stay in that stability, it's not going to change. Like the longer you're, yeah. you're just not going to have any change, like nothing's going to change right. if you, if you refuse to let it change. Yeah. I was going to say like your muscles will eventually give out and you won't be able to hold those two swords. <laughs> no, like she's, she's long. very determined. Um, she's very statuesque, right? To, mm-hmm. uh, to, and it's, I'm going to say this is kind of like the card of, um, the poor representation of stoicism this is kind of like the vulcan card right <laughs> you, you have this this sense of like oh logic will prevail etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's all these emotions that are brewing under the surface and it's not comfortable mm. um and if you are denying your emotions like if you are uh there's there's a, a line that i recently read in um the Subtle Art of Not Giving an F <laughs> by Mark Manson that says, um, to deny your emotions is to deny, to deny the mechanisms that solve problems. I kind of paraphrased it there a little bit. But um, yeah, so if you are subduing your emotions and you're like, no, no, everything is fine, everything is fine, it's not fine, and you're also not solving anything by, by forcing it this way, right? Um, so when you get this card then in a reading, what advice do you normally give the person or what do you normally say that this is Well, this normally shows up when a person doesn't want, doesn't, like the person kind of knows what they have to do already, right? Like this woman in the card knows that she can remove her, her blindfold, Mm -hmm. but she really doesn't want to like, because right now she's in this like peaceful like ignorance is bliss kind yeah. of mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and although it's not comfortable, and although she's like subduing those emotions, like she is more afraid of going past that because she knows that removing the blindfold and seeing the truth isn't necessarily going to be pleasant. It's not going to be easy, right? So often when this shows up for a person, I I tell them like kind of like, are you ready? <laughs> Take it off. Take it off the blindfold. Like how, like, kind of, so it's more of like a, a weighing the pros and cons. Like, okay. do you want to stay where you are right now forever? Mm-hmm. No, this, well, then you know what you have to do. Right. Um, and it's kind of like one of those hard life lessons that you really don't want to hear. Yeah. Um, like some, this card sometimes will show up to the person uh, who wants a reading to tell them that they don't to uh, tell them another way than what they already know they have to do. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Like, yeah. could it also be that it's saying that there is another way and you're just not opening yourself up to seeing the possibility of another option by having the blindfold on? By that's me, that's me. possible, like, that they're, that you're only, that you're very stubborn in your Yeah, like you're only seeing thinking. one way. Like, she's sitting there, like, 
I am only going to protect myself. Whereas if she just took off her blindfold, she might see, no, I can actually have other options too. I will say yes, but only in the case where that stubborn way of thinking is keeping you where you are at. Mm-hmm. Right? So if there is another way... So so I'll, I'll give you an example, right? So let's say um, you are in this kind of detrimental relationship where you say something and to you it's like, no, I'm just saying the truth, right? I'm just saying the truth and it's my value to be honest at all times. And the other person takes that truth as being very hurtful and they get defensive and then you respond in a kind of an also truthful but defensive way and it's kind of like this spiral of negative of a a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. if you will right and in a way you are being stubborn to your honesty right Mm -hmm. um but and there is perhaps a better way of saying what you're wanting to say there's a better way of of stating your honesty and being true to yourself but you're just not able to see the other way exactly so and i would i would say this is an example of, of a stalemate of a two sword stalemate where stubbornness and it is the factor because, um, because it's not going anywhere. Okay. So sub- yeah. stubbornness mixed with ignorance is bliss. Yeah. <laughs> makes it challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, like it's, there's a lot of stubbornness, I think in ignorance, like you have to be, you have to really want things to be a certain way. And I, I also think that's kind of human nature. Like we, we, we kind of go through life and, and reinforce our own thinking all the time. Like you'll, you'll go through life and everything that you see just reinforces what you already believe. Right. And we can be looking at exactly the same thing and two people will have completely different mm-hmm. um, opinions of what they saw. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so but, that's, that's also a little bit of willful ignorance. Right? It is, but it's also, I think, humankind, too. Exactly. We we come from different backgrounds, yeah. different cultures, so obviously we're going to have different perceptions, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that's that's also a great example of a stalemate kind of conflict, mm-hmm. because technically both people are seeing that truth, but they have such, uh, s- such attachment to their own perceptions of that truth that they're unwilling to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the two of swords comes in to describe it and say, hey, there is a way of moving forward. You're not going to like it because, hey, maybe it means that you have to admit that maybe you're not right. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe neither of you are right. <laughs> maybe you just, yeah, so that's, that's a hard, those are hard truths. And um, sometimes I think it is possible that you can get stuck in the two of swords, maybe even for, forever. Like, you can get stuck in this two of swords for decades if you're not careful. It's a hard, it's a hard lesson, and it leads right into the three of swords, which isn't even that much, which is actually a lot harder, I think. Oh, great. Depending, <laughs> depending on the kind of person. Like, um, two of swords can be peaceful, at least, because um, there's this calm, calm before the storm, although there's a better card to describe the calm before the storm. Which is also a swords card. Oh, great! Good times. Good times with the swords. We're gonna we're gonna be looking at a lot of challenges here. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So, however, uh, you found a a story bitty, right? That that describes a stalemate of some sort. <laughs> yes, and and the aftermath of this. It doesn't stay a stalemate. Um, they, but yes, they don't always. Yeah, they they normally aren't. 
Although there's balance, they're not that balanced. <laughs> yeah, eventually things need to come to like a conclusion either way, I yes. guess. Um, yes, so today I'm going to be talking about the Siege of Masada, um, which is a revered symbol of Jewish nas- nationalism. Um, but first, I just want to give kind of a preamble, I guess, um, if people don't know. Um, about this story. First, I'm just going to give a quick trigger warning because I will be talking about suicide and mass killing. Um, I will also warn that the topic today may be emotionally or religiously charged, um, much like the Tower card when I spoke about the Tower of Babel um, story from the Bible. Um, Today's story, however, is a little different in that um, because it was an actual historical event that took place. Although there are um, some discrepancies between the written account and the archaeological evidence, which I will bring to light and we'll discuss. Um, but I just want to make clear that I am trying my best to present, you know, both sides, all sides, religious and, and historical with reverence and respect. So that's my Thank you. <laughs> my preamble there. I like I like that term, reverence and respect. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds like a way to live life. Yeah, yeah. I think I try. Yeah. <laughs> As I smile, I'm smiling. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so Masada was an ancient mountaintop fortress overlooking the Dead Sea um, in modern day Israel. So the site was established in the first century BCE by the Judean king um, Alexander, oh, I'm not going to say this right, Janaeus, and later fortified on the order of King Herod the Great. So that was about, I think, about 30 BCE. Um, They had cisterns there made of solid rock and vast um, grain storehouses, uh, which would provide them the ability to hold out for months against besieging enemies. So that's, again, that idea of the stalemate, and they're they're ready for it. (laughs) So they were were prepared in case someone were to siege them. Exactly. Um, So the story um, we get from Flavius Josephus. He was a first century CE, um, Roman historian of Jewish descent. Um, in his, he wrote about um, the first Jewish-Roman war, which took place between 66 and 73 CE. Um, and Josephus related the story, uh, basically, of a group of Jewish rebels who occupied Masada after being driven um, from Jerusalem. So they were known as the Sicarii, or the Daggermen, um, and these rebels used this fortress as a base um, from which to raid the surrounding region. So finally, in 73, uh, the Romans had had enough and set out to destroy Masada and its occupants, um, made up of the Sicarii as well as other Jewish inhabitants. So Josephus writes that in 72, um, the Roman governor Lucius Flavius Silvia uh, led a Roman legion as well as a number of auxiliary units to lay siege at Masada. Uh, The Romans first constructed a wall around the base of the steep mountain where Masada was situated to prevent an escape from the defenders. So the whole city was was locked in. Exactly. With the wall. With the wall. Um, The Romans then constructed a siege ramp against the western face of the plateau because um, the way up there was, it was very small and narrow. Mm -hmm. Um, And this led to the top of the hill. After the ramp was completed, so this obviously took some time, uh, the Romans assaulted uh, the stone outer wall with a battering ram and a makeshift inner timber wall with blazing torches. 
Excuse me. So Josephus did not recount any attempts by the Sicarii to counterattack the besiegers um, during this whole building process, which you would think, you know, they're there yeah. for a while. They might put up a fight, but according to Josephus, they didn't. Maybe it's because they thought they were ready. Uh, maybe. Um, but what's weird, too, is that there, like, this is a vast difference between his accounts of other sieges that took place during the revolt. So mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why why that is. Um, but when the Roman legion fin- were finally able to break through the wall of the fortress on April the 16th of 73, Josephus writes that they encountered no resistance, um, but instead were met with a multitude of the slain. So it is said that the Jews, Jewish rebels um, had drawn lots and killed each other in turn down to the last man who then committed suicide. Whoa. Yeah. So like they... they- Locked them in with the, with the wall, and mm-hmm. instead of fighting back, they killed each other. Yes, like once they like were, I guess the Romans were about to Attack. break in. Yeah, yeah. So like so so that they couldn't give the satisfaction to the enemy. Yeah. Well, yes, and and more. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, basically, Josephus says that uh, a total of nine hundred and sixty men, women, and children died at Masada. Wow. Um, and only two women and five children um, who hid in a subterranean cavern survived to tell the tale. Wow, that's that's intense. Yes. Um, so, oh, 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 sorry. So, some historiographers like um, Miguel Yandi believe that some of the Sicarii were actually zealots um, or anti-Roman freedom fighters, or possibly even a family of thieves turned into a quasi-religious. Um, even say it. Militia. Thank you. Militia. <laughs> I'm like, that's not how my brain did a thing. Um, so they <laughs> fled to Masada, um, where they made their last stand again against the Romans and chose suicide over surrender um, and lifelong slavery. So yeah, basically they felt that would be better than becoming slaves. Okay. So they saw like what, what surrender would possibly exactly. do and they decided that they would rather die yeah and this is basically what happened with um with cleopatra as well she's like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be a slave and be in your triumph or i die so you're not gonna get the satisfaction sorry yeah Uh, (laughs) um sorry so yeah so that was the basically the fundamental choice that they had to make um that and they believe that you know a glorious death was preferable to a life of infamy Mm-hmm. Um, so Josephus reported that the reason the defenders had drawn lots and killed each other again in turn, the last man, um, being the only one to take his own life was because, um, Judaism prohibits suicide. So it was only him that kind of suffered, um, because of that. So the duration of the siege itself is not as one of those things that aren't agreed upon. Um, Yadin makes it seem as though it lasted four years, but it's very un- much unlikely the case. Um, he Josephus, on the other hand, applies um, that it lasted about four months, while the Romans probably concluded operations in about six weeks. So there is varying um, accounts there. Um, it's also odd um, that the defenders claim to have not resisted the Romans. Again, unlikely that they just didn't do anything for the months that they were being laid siege. Right, so there might be some sort of documentation 
errors here or yeah exactly yeah. um and unfortunately there's also limited archaeological evidence to support the story of a mass murder and suicide at masada so that's the biggest i think um mm, not controversy but um so basically the romans they like would debate debate yeah. yeah so they would have likely buried the dead in a mass grave um, of that many people, they would not just leave them. Um, but there's no such place that's ever been found. Um, the another option that I could think of would be cremation, but again, it's it's just not certain. Right. But yeah, something like that would would have been found. But who knows? Yeah, unless it was cre- unless they were cremated. unless that's the only thing that I can think of. Yeah, that would be a lot of work with not well, a lot of trees around. What a around. mystery! Yeah, that sounds like like an interesting thing that you'd have this this mass death and mm-hmm. no evidence to show for it. Yeah, they only found, I think, a couple of bodies um, in some nearby caves, but again, there were that two. That could be, like, anybody. So it's yeah. not, yeah. yeah. Huh. Mystery. Um, so Masada has become a controversial event um, in Jewish history. Some people regard it as a place of reverence, commemorating fallen ancestors and their heroic struggle against oppression, while others regard it as a warning, a warning against extremism and the refusal to compromise. Wow. So again, that's where I feel like this two of swords kind of comes in the, there. You have two perspectives here to, yeah. to, to see it. So like on one hand, you can see it as like, heroes and on mm-hmm. the other hand you can see it as a, a warning yeah, yeah that's um yeah I think uh that that's definitely a really mysterious story oh oh it's the mystery of history <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um that's why I like part of what I like I guess about history especially uh, even later or early, I shouldn't say later, earlier, like Neolithic history and everything. There's just so much mystery and so much unknown and that I feel like we could never know. Um, so much left to be discovered. Exactly. And <laughs> dug up. Go archaeology. <laughs> but yeah, so just to conclude, basically, this narrative um, became widely popular and the fortress was turned into a major tourist attraction and is a heroic symbol, again, that played a significant role in forging a national identity for the Israeli state. Wow. So important yeah very if i were to uh relate it to the two of swords um like some like i i do like to think about the suits as a story mm-hmm. um so if and and the swords if, if i were to look at it from the perspective of a uh of like the hero's journey right i would say that the ace is the call to adventure and the two of swords here would very much be that decision to actually go on the adventure or, mm-hmm. but, but also maybe the denial of the adventure mm-hmm. as well, because, um, yeah. and that, I feel like this, that decision it, to, to, to die a glorious death or what was the, but also the decision, like, also yeah. the decision to not fight back at all could also be. Yeah, definitely. Like, like if pacifism is definitely viewed as you know, a, a very noble path as well. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's, there's no real right or wrong answer here unless you have certain values that exactly that defend it, yep. right. Defend a certain path to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a, that's another, that's another perspective of the two sorts that we didn't really like talk too much about is this, like when it is an internal conflict, it, it can very, it can be very moral. It can very much be this a moral conflict of what is the right decision to make, um, and we talked like we talked more about uh, the two of swords and the conflict uh, that happens between between people, mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, if it's an internal conflict, it could very much be that. What is what is the right decision here? What yeah. is the right thing to do? And morality is a, is a huge part of of the swords suit mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember there was a story you told me last week about um, was it Achilles who had um, who had to decide if it was worth worth it to die a glorious death. Achilles. Achilles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, yeah. Part of I guess in the Iliad, yeah, he had to decide. You know, does he want to die young, um, so to not live his whole life, but mm-hmm. die gloriously, basically, and have his name remembered forever, um, for him to be revered, or yeah. he can live till you know an old age, have a wonderful life, but no one will know, remember no him, one will no remember one will know who he, who he is. So in the Iliad, he obviously decides, no, I want to die, 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 and yeah. uh, that's what happens, but. In the Odyssey, when Odysseus goes down to the underworld and meets with him, um, he says, "No, I made that was definitely the wrong choice. The wrong I would choice. rather almost like be a slave, someone else, you know, yeah, be a farm slave to someone else and be a no one and live my life than be dead." It's hard. It it's hard to look back on a decision too, though, and like, but I I like yeah. almost that, that they did do, they did kind of still show both sides. Yeah, that yeah. that he possibly could have right. would have rathered yeah. um, die a no name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a struggle for sure. <laughs> oh shoot, I forgot what I was gonna say. Anyways, I, I guess that's that's pretty much all the time we have. It is, but we're gonna end on a happy note. That's right. Because this is our birthday. It's our it's our one year anniversary of. Of making these podcasts. Yay! <laughs> I can't believe it's already been a year. I know, me neither. <laughs> Definitely went by fast, but we were looking at the numbers like, oh, this is this is our 52nd episode. Yay! So uh, we've been really consistent, too. We have. We've never missed a week. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the... Oh, knock on the ukulele. There we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Um, so if... You know the drill if you've been listening. Yes. If you haven't been listening, uh, welcome. And here Tell is your our friends. Drill. Yes, <laughs> Tell your friends. Leave us a review. Um, subscribe. That way you get to listen to our voices every week. Join the conversation. Yes. Comment. Comment. <laughs> um, you can join our Facebook group, Myth Tarot Love, um, or on Instagram at Myth Tarot Love. You can email us. All the ways. Tell us if we're Usual wrong. Ways. Yes, like, that too. Yeah. And yeah. if I was inaccurate or wrong in any way. I do apologize. <laughs> I do my best. Please correct us. Yes. We're also human, but yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and we appreciate you all. We're all a little bit blinded, after all, like in the Two of Swords. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, our parting words for today come from the American Tarot Association. And here it is. Uh, it can be painful to remove a blindfold and see the truth, because even the softest light will blind those who have lived in darkness. Myth, tarot, and love. Myth, tarot, and love. Myth, tarot.